Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden, and you're listening to Queer Stories, the podcast for the LGBTQI plus storytelling night I host and program. This week, Eloise Brooke is a writer, advocate and academic. Her current research includes trans people in public health and developing models for trans media representation. Ella also works at the Gender Centre. This year, the Gender Centre where I work um, rebooted one of the longest running transgender publications in Australia. The newsletter is called Polari and to honour Amy Middleton and Archer magazine, I'd like to unpack that a bit tonight. We rebooted Polari for a number of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons for me personally was seeing how Amy has revolutionised queer publishing in Australia. Um, Polari is not Archer, not by a long shot. No, 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 no. Polari, or rather Polari was, something from another age. It ran from the mid-90s, was photocopied between the creaking roof and dusty carpets of the gender centre offices, stapled together and mailed out in envelopes by liver-spotted hands. One stamp at a time on one envelope. Stamps are fucking legit in the world of newsletter distribution. This was still happening right up until last year. Not stamps, mind you. Stamps are still a thing and still fucking legit. <laughs> Polari was being mailed out in envelopes until last year. Polari was born out of the tradition of below-the-radar cross-dressing society newsletters. When I first started thinking about the prospect of where I might take Polari in the future, I really had to think about it. And here's my best analogy. When I was in my 20s and my grandfather died, my grandmother cleared out his clothes and for some reason sent them to my dad to see if my dad wanted to, I don't know, wear them around the house or in fucking public. And of course, he didn't want to wear his dead father's Sursa 1950s, 113% dense rayon caramel brown and baby blue gaucho shirts. <laughs> Go fucking figure. So, of course, he was like, oh, dead name, which was my actual name before Eloise. <laughs> How would you like some slacks, gaucho shirts and crepe sole slippers to wear around the house or in public? <laughs> no. No thanks, Dad. But thanks, Dad. Were there any bras? What? Oh, nothing. Those earlier pre-Polari newsletters house some of the earliest iterations of gender nonconformity that now are difficult to look back on from the lofty, glitter-swept heights of 2019. They chronicled a, a strange, fucked-up time. Trans identities, and in particular the trans feminists, as expressed in cross-dressing circles, was obsessed with one thing, not being gay. 
And they did it in really messed up ways. Think of a barroom brawl in a ball gown, not as a comedy, as a serious expression of masculinity. Or a man in a muumuu and pipe mowing the lawn on Saturday morning. Or, I don't know, barbecuing in a bikini. Barbecuing in a bikini with superheated flecks of sizzling fat landing all around you, landing on your coconut rub decolletars like artillery shells from 1943. <laughs> Refusing to step out of the hot plate's firing line lest the other men around you in bikinis and moo-moos try to seize the tongs from your heroically masculine cross-dressing fist. No self-reflection, no irony, just a desperate need to be unassuredly masculine with an entirely superficial femininity. That's been my personal relationship with 70 years of cross-dressing secret societies and their newsletters. It was my relationship with Polari, like my relationship with my grandparents. Yes, we're related. Yes, they're historically responsible for my existence. And yes, they did have some pretty fucked up racist and sexist things that they like to slip into conversations. And I did accidentally walk in on them one time naked when I was 10. <laughs> so I was desperate to give Polari a fresh start. I threw everything out. We started from scratch. We went digital. But one thing we didn't throw out was the name, Polari. Everyone kept asking me, why keep that name? Why keep Polari? And I didn't have an answer for them until about a week ago. My first thought as editor was, fuck it. I'm going to do comedy. Polari's going to be funny. I thought at the time that that was exactly what the trans and gender diverse community needed. Sure, what's actually happening at the gender centre needs to go in. Some transgender and gender diverse health related news, because that's the gender centre's thing. I even thought I'd be able to write with witty little editorials, with a little bit of agony aunt thrown in, hot tips on fondue and penis gourd parties. We were going to be the trans chaser, or the trans onion, or the trans batuta advocate. Yeah. I even had some headlines worked out. Headline one, Australian Christian Lobby reports science is in, rising gender levels to make all major cities unlivable for straight people by 2030. <laughs> Headline two, turf film critic Savage's new Transformer movie, trans robots make parking spaces for real cars unsafe with privilege lasers. Okay, it took me about, it took me hours to come up with those headlines. So, so clearly, I'm a comedy dabbler. Um, aside from the fact that the pool of cultural awareness and understanding that makes onion-style human so funny does not exist for trans and gender-diverse people, and that in-jokes do not translate, and comedy can fix a lot of things, but it sure as hell can't fix the shit that we're in now but please bring on Gable Warming if you can. Um, here's the thing, comedy, wrong. Taking cheap shots at old-fashioned cross-dresses society newsletter, fun, but wrong. To strain the grandparent uh, analogy to breaking point, it turns out that those newsletters, they fought intolerance and discrimination so that we could be queer and be unicorns and fabulous and live free, just like my grandfather fought against authoritarian regimes in World War II. All those little cross-dressing society newsletters of which Seahorse and Polari are the last remnants, they fought against things we take for granted, never forgetting for a moment that they were a product of their time. I was in Melbourne recently on a project hunting down the transgender dead in the lead-up to this year's Trans Day of Remembrance. I went to the Australian Gay and Lesbian, Arch Lesbian Archive and I went back through some of the old trans and gender diverse newsletters. They were problematic. 
but they were also the start of a resistance, a resistance to the stifling oppression of gender conformity. What started with them and was done so problematically is the seed of the beauty that I see when I read Archer. And this is really, really what I want to talk about tonight, how we need to keep fighting oppression, how we need to keep fighting Nazis with our newsletters. Because at the same time that I took over the um, editor position of the new inclusive digital fuck any kind of erasure version of Polari, as I was trying to work in how to combine satire and trans health, Bernard Lane and the Australian began their bombing run on the trans and gender diverse community. Article after article going after the transgender community, but now in a more concentrated, more systemic way, going after our transgender and gender diverse children, after science, after best models of care, after doctors, after services that our community desperately needs. Trying to shake the very foundation of who trans people are by destroying the legitimacy of our identities and muddying the pool of cultural awareness of what trans and gender diverse is. A systemic campaign with zero interest in truth. The problem is this. After we won marriage equality and they lost, they still understood something that took us far too long to understand that the machinery of discrimination that they assembled to fight us in 2017 were not destroyed in the armistice. They are still in place. Database, mailing lists, typed out two-finger style and PowerPoint XP are as ready now to distribute via Internet Explorer 5.5 as they were in 2017. <laughs> Those home photocopied screed flyers and their awful Microsoft suit hate posters printed out via dusty old parallel cables on creaking Dell inkjet printers with refillable cartridges still work just fine. Weirdos and haters slinking through suburban neighbourhoods, slipping their awfulness into, news, into letterboxes in tw 2017, are back. Only this time, it's not an old Dell home printer they're using. It's the national distribution arm of the Murdoch Press. They didn't need actual fucking legit stamps last time, and holy shit, they sure as hell haven't bothered about actual fucking legit stamps this time around either. Concern troll Bernard Lane in article after article with his reductive cruelty masquerading as reason arguments, Angela Shannon with her irony-free handmaid's tale response to body autonomy amongst teenagers, Kevin Donnelly's wheeled out for family gatherings father know, knows best windbaggery, or any of the other gallery of disingenuous idologues lining up to put the boot in our children to shore up their crumbling cathedrals. Amy Middleton revolutionised queer publishing in Australia by going back to the roots of what we have, community, sanctuary, a shared experience of difference in the face of hostility, and made it beautiful to be us, and then bless her by making Archer something you can buy at a newsagent she made us mainstream and fucking legit. That's why I kept the name Polari. Polari, the actual term Polari, was the name for a secret language in the 19th century. Part Romany, part London slang, some sailor slang, thieves can't, can't, and drug subculture thrown in. It was used by circus people, by prostitutes, professional wrestlers, criminals, and the gay community to say out loud what needed to be said but couldn't be spoken safely. History is what we need now to remind us of where we've been 
and that we've been here before, to remind us that those who fought for us in the past were here doing exactly what we're doing, saying out loud what needed to be said but couldn't be spoken safely. A hardly perfect past with too much fucking chul in organza. Different voices but the same voices. Challenges but exactly the same challenges, even if we're no longer quite as fucking legit without those stamps. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Follow Queer Stories on Facebook for event updates and me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.